Our scripture reading this evening is taken from the Gospel of Luke, and it's the chapter 16. The Gospel of Luke and the chapter 16. And I mentioned this morning that tonight uh, my subject was hell, a place of eternal punishment. And so we come to read from Luke chapter 16, Moving down the chapter to the 19th verse. And let us hear God's word together on this most solemn subject. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and furred sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was led at his gate, full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried and in hell he lift up his eyes being in torments and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom and he cried and said father Abraham have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame but Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went on to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Amen. We'll end there at verse 31, the end of the chapter. And may the Lord add his own blessing to this reading from his own precious and infallible word. Amen. Well, we're turning together to the portion of Scripture that we have read in Luke's Gospel and the chapter 16. Luke's Gospel and the chapter 16. And it's always good to take a verse of Scripture or a phrase of Scripture just to center our thoughts around. And I would use the words in verse 23. 
Luke 16 and the verse 23. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And particularly those opening words of verse 23, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. Hell, a place of eternal torment. Let's just unite our hearts together and ask the Lord for help as we come to think on this solemn matter this evening in the gospel. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank Thee that we have the privilege tonight of being able to open up the Scriptures of truth, and the privilege, O God, of being able to preach Thy Word. And yet we're conscious, our Father, of the responsibility that is before us tonight and woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. And therefore I ask, O God, for that spirit of wisdom and that spirit of understanding to be granted to us. And grant our Father, as we would minister thy precious word, that that word, O God, would shine brightly forth and that we would have grace to declare the unsearchable riches of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hear our prayer and abide with us now. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, in this modern age in which we live, I ask the question, can we still believe in hell? Is the idea of a place of endless eternal punishment now outdated altogether. Preachers of a previous generation were in no doubt as to what they believed and as to where they stood in relation to such a place. Take, for example, Jonathan Edwards. He preached that classic sermon entitled Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. This text of Scripture was taken from Deuteronomy, the chapter 32 and the verse 35, and there we read the words, Their foot shall slide in due time. Their foot shall slide in due time. And the picture there was of sinners slipping and sliding into hell. Not so much that God was casting them into hell, but rather the weight and the burden of their own sins were dragging them down and dragging them down into hell. Their foot shall slide in due time. And Jonathan Edwards spoke in that sermon about the unrepentant sinner. And he said of them, the devil is waiting for them. The mouth of hell is gaping for them. The flames gather and flash around them, ready to lay hold upon them and swallow them up. We don't hear today much preaching like that concerning hell. Liberal theologians compromising ministers of the word would want to water down the doctrine of hell 
They would want to do away with the thought of a place of eternal, endless punishment, or at least they would want to reduce it to figurative language. J.C. Ryle was the first Protestant Archbishop of Liverpool, and he said of hell, once let the old doctrine of hell be overthrown, and the whole system of Christianity is unsettled, unscrewed, unpinned, and thrown into disorder. Once you let the old doctrine of hell be overthrown. J.I. Packer, he said, an endless hell can no more be removed from the New Testament than an endless heaven. Oh, there are those who would readily accept the thought of an endless heaven, but the Bible speaks uh, just the same about an endless hell. No matter how unpopular and how unpalatable it is, we need to preach the whole counsel of God. And here we have the undeniable truth of God's word. Men might want to wish it away. Men might want to cast it away. Men might become intolerant of the very thought of hell that not only do they not want to believe in it, but they don't even want us to believe in it. Man doesn't want to hear of such beliefs. We have the subordinate standards of our church the Westminster Confession of Faith. And in chapter 32 in section 1, it states, The souls of the wicked are cast into hell, where they remain in torments and utter darkness, reserved unto the judgment of the great day. And that's how it's put, that's how it's summarized in the subordinate standards of our church. And that is the position that we hold this evening, believing it to be the clear teaching of Holy Scripture. And the passage before us tonight that we have read from Luke chapter 16 is perhaps one of the clearest passages on hell in the whole Word of God. And it brings before us that very solemn and serious matter this evening the most solemn of all subjects, the subject of hell. And firstly, tonight, I want you to think about the doctrine of hell. The Word of God, as we have already stated, is our sole authority. And we can see here from our text of Scripture, verse 23, it says, And in hell... And these are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now, we know that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And in that sense, it's all God's Word. But the Lord Jesus Christ here is the one who is speaking. And he's speaking to us on the doctrine of hell. Here in the pages of Holy Scripture, we're reading about such a place and we are not to go beyond the bounds of Scripture. If 
we're going to establish our beliefs. They must be founded upon the word of God. Our beliefs are shaped by the word of God. And therefore, this is not teaching that is dreamt up by the preacher. This is not teaching that is dreamt up uh, by the Free Presbyterian Church. It's not a teaching that is used to try and scare people uh, into believing in God and joining uh, the church or the congregation. No, this is a doctrine. This is a truth that's coming straight from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And here you can see in this passage that what I say to you tonight concerning hell is what the Savior himself has taught concerning hell. Now, what you believe tonight concerning hell and concerning this doctrine that's taught in the Word of God, that's a matter between you and the Lord. But no one tonight could deny that the Savior spoke clearly about this place and that he was warning about the existence of this place and of the danger of ending up in this place. And he gives us this account here from his own lips. You will be familiar, I'm sure, with the passage. It concerns two men. They're very different types of men, very different characters with differing experiences in their life. One is rich and one is poor. And the Lord tells us here of their life. One fared sumptuously every day. He wore the best of clothing. He had much of this world's goods and comforts. He wanted for nothing. He had it all. The other one sat at his gate, and he was sitting there at the rich man's gate begging. And it's a very depressing picture there before our minds of poverty and of want. This man's body was wrecked with sores. He was in pain, and the very dogs came and licked his sores. That was their life. Different lives. Then it came to their death. And the Lord tells of their death. Things are going to change dramatically now. The beggar, Lazarus, he died. And it tells us in the passage that he was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man, he also died. And the Lord includes the detail that he was actually buried. And so it would appear that he had the funeral, and I'm sure as far as the world was concerned, it's what they would refer to as a great send-off. It would have had all the trappings and everything that money could buy. It was there whenever the rich man died. The poor man, when he died there, more likely, his body was just scraped up off the ground, and he was taken outside of the city, and the body would have been burned. Very different in their lives, different in death. But then it tells us in the passage also that there was life after death. 
Lazarus was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, but the sad reading concerning the rich man is there in our text. It says, and in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments. Do you see it there? Both men lived, and both men died, and both men lived on in eternity but in very different places. Some think, you see, today that when you reach death, that's it. That when you reach death, you're just coming there to the end of the line, as it were. In death, you cease to exist, and we just fade into oblivion and into annihilation. But no, the Lord shows us here from his own lips that there's life, there's death, and then there's life after death. The authority of God's word, that's the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the world cannot wipe hell out of existence by their own belief. Do we accept and believe the revelation of God's holy word? Or do we believe the lie of the devil? I mentioned this morning concerning the tract that an individual has had uh, reprinted and republished. And we have some 20,000 or so of these gospel tracts, and it's entitled, There's No Place Like Hell. Do we believe tonight in the existence of hell, or do we not? Let me just read an excerpt from this gospel tract. And it says, If there is no hell, then there is no need for you to come to the house of God. There is no need for you to read the Bible. There is no need for you to be concerned about your soul's eternity. But if there is a hell then you need to ask yourself one solemn question. Is that where I am going to be forever? How can I escape from its worm which never dieth and its fire which is never quenched? Do we accept tonight the doctrine of hell? Does hell exist or not? Do we believe God's holy word? But then I want you to think, secondly, not only do we consider the doctrine of hell, but the description of hell. And it is described to us in God's Word. It's a real place. Verse 23, and in hell, the Lord is referring there to this particular place. At the end of verse 28 of her Bible reading, it's spoken of there as this place. And so hell is a real place, this place of torment. The other Gospels, of course, would complement the teaching here. And then the Gospel of Mark, and in the ninth chapter, the Lord speaks there about this particular place again. And in Mark chapter 9 and the verse 43, And if thy hand defend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. The Lord there speaking about the possibility of a soul going into hell. It has to be a real place. 
The Savior is referring to it as someone entering into it. There also in Mark 9 and the verse 45, And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. And it's speaking about individuals who are going into hell, individuals who are being cast into hell. It has to be a real place, an actual place that exists. Time wouldn't permit tonight to go to all the different scriptures, but various scriptures describe the character and the nature of that place speaks about the blackness of darkness forever. It speaks about destruction and damnation. It's speaking, as we've just read from Mark, about unquenchable fire. It refers to weeping and wailing. It's a real place. That's how it's described in the Bible. And it has real people there. Real people. You see, the Lord was speaking here in this passage about real people. Luke 16 is not a parable. Luke 16 is reality. Never in a parable would you have the Lord naming individuals. But yet here in Luke chapter 16, we have the beggar who is named Lazarus. Why? Because Lazarus actually existed and Lazarus was there at the gate of the rich man. And this rich man is a real man. The rich man who had spoken of in verse 23, and in hell, he lift up his eyes. He's there. And so hell is a real place, and there are real people in hell. This rich man was a family man. You see in verse 27, then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. Oh, he had a home place. My father's house. He's thinking there as he's in hell about the home place and about his father's house. You see, he was a real person. There in the 28th verse, he says, For I have five brethren or five brothers, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. So here was a rich man who had a family home. He could think back to his father's house. He could think about his five brothers because he's a real person. We need to see that reality tonight. Real souls. Real people who are slipping and sliding into hell. Real place, real people, real punishment. And in hell, he lift up his eyes being in torments, torments. The word torment there in its various forms appears four times. You can see it in our text in verse 23, being in torments. You can see it there in verse 24. At the end of that verse, he says, For I am tormented in this flame. 
When you look at verse 25, uh, the torment there is mentioned again at the very end of the verse, thou art tormented. And in verse 28 is the fourth occasion, the end of verse 28. It's this place of torment. And so hell is a place that's described as having real punishment. Hell is the place where unforgiven sin is going to be punished. The wrath of God is going to be felt. The place of torment. I am tormented in this flame. Charles Spurgeon said of the fire of hell, there is a real fire in hell, as truly as you have a real body, a fire exactly like that which we have here on earth, except this, it will not consume you, though it will torture you. And he went on to say, sinners will be like asbestos amidst the burning. John, in the book of the Revelation, describes it as the lake of fire. In Revelation chapter 20, he mentions the lake of fire no fewer than three times. And such a description is surely bringing out the horrors of that place. The doctrine of hell, it's real. The description of hell real place with real people and real punishment. Then thirdly, I want you to think about the duration of hell. Because you see, once you're there, there's no way out. Once you're there, you're there forever. It is a condition that is irreversible. When you look there at verse 26, you can see that. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. It's fixed there. Proverbs 29 and 1. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. Once you're in hell, there's no remedy. Once you're in hell, there is no escape. There is no way out. The duration of hell is eternal. And describing hell, I referred to what Jude said in verse 13. He said, To whom is reserved the blackness of darkness? And then he added this, forever. The blackness of darkness forever. Mark chapter 3. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. Not just in danger of damnation, but the word eternal is put in there. Eternal damnation. When Paul was writing to the believers at Thessalonica, he spoke there in Thess to the Thessalonians about the destruction of hell. And he said in 2 Thessalonians 1 and the verse 9, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction 
from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Not just destruction, but it's everlasting destruction. And while you can look at the description of the place and you get a clear indication of the nature and the character of hell, it has to be highlighted that the condition of the soul there is forever. We don't have the same difficulty using the words eternal and everlasting when we're referring to heaven, but it's the exact same words that refer to that place of eternal and everlasting damnation. Those words, everlasting and eternal, they have to mean exactly that. They can't mean anything else. Never ending. Never ending. Paul speaks about eternal salvation, and he speaks about eternal redemption, but how foolish it would be to accept that description the duration of heaven and not accept the duration of hell. Mentioned Revelation 20 a moment ago and how John writes there in the revelation about the lake of fire. And he said in verse 10 about the lake of fire, it burneth day and night forever, forever. The duration of hell and if I was to end my message right there this evening, it would be a very sad message to bring. But thank God we don't have to end the message there about hell because we can speak tonight in the fourth place about the deliverance from hell. That's the good news of the gospel. The glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is that you can be saved from ever going to hell. You can be redeemed from destruction. And you would do well tonight to ask the question, well, how? I believe the Lord makes it clear in this very portion of Scripture that was our Bible reading tonight. When you think there in the verses 28 through to 30. And just take the verse 30 for the sake of time. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went on to them from the dead, they will repent. And so there was the words of the rich man in hell. And it was a message there from hell about repentance. Repentance. And here the rich man, as he thinks in hell, he knows here what the answer is. He knows how he could have escaped that place. He knows how he could have been saved while he was upon this earth if only he had repented, turned from his sin, turned to the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows he would have been saved. And he wants someone, he wants them to send Lazarus to go to his father's house and to go to his five brothers and to bring them a message and to tell them they need to repent and they need to get right with God. And that's still the message of the gospel this evening. Thank God for the one who will come and will acknowledge their sin before God and take the place of the sinner and will repent of their sin 
That's a turning from their sin with a sorrow for their sin and a turning to the Lord and a trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as their own and personal Savior and resting upon his finished work and his shed blood as the only means of cleansing away your sin. Thank God tonight you can be delivered from hell and you can be delivered from the wrath which is to come if you will but repent and trust in the only Savior of men. The rich man didn't go to hell because he was rich. He went to hell because he never repented. The poor man didn't get to heaven because he was poor. He got to heaven because he had repented. And he had trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're not saved tonight, we would encourage you to repent while you have opportunity. Whether it's one gathered here in God's house or whether it's one that I'm speaking to online tonight, if you're not saved, oh, that you would have the grace to repent of your sin and to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can know tonight your sins being forgiven being cleansed away in the Savior's precious blood and to know tonight that you're ready and you're prepared to meet the Lord. It's a solemn subject tonight. Hell, a place of eternal torment. But we feel on the first gospel meeting of 2024, it's necessary to come to God's word and to warn that there is such a place, and to warn young and old tonight that they need to flee from the wrath which is to come. May the Lord bless his word to each and to every heart this evening.